1: Now it's his turn to help me conquer my phobia of scary movies over one spooky night in the FBI studios, one Wikipedia synopsis at a time. This is Spooker. Back padding radio is what Shag and I used to try to avoid back in the day. We did actually host a radio show together, and we hosted one firstly early on Saturday mornings called The Weekend Overhang which about 15 years later I figured out was a clever flip on the word hangover <laughs> when you sometimes have a hangover. And I was like, oh, yeah, in fact, that's why it was called that. That makes sense.
0: Why did you think it was called the Weekend Overhang? I was
1: just like, crazy name. Names are crazy. <laughs> people, people choose names for all kinds of stuff. And this is the name that was chosen for that. So <laughs> fair enough. Everything's got to have a name. Um, And we then co-hosted Arvo's together. Arvo's uh, in Australia. I don't think in America you call it Arvo's. I think I think they call it Drive Time. So uh, Drive Time Radio. Arvo's Radio is what Shag and I hosted together. And I've realised now, Shag, get ready for that. I know your jaw feels like just in a normal place (laughs) right now, but holy moly, get ready for it to drop. We've been co-hosting Spooko for longer than we ever were on radio. What?
0: What? Our first
1: radio shift was in late January 2014, and the final time I was on Arvo's was in about May 2008.
0: 2004. You said 2014, but 2004, right?
1: Yeah, sorry, that's right. Yep. 2004 through to 2008. So, I say four years, four months. I think the first Spooko we recorded was very early 2019 or very late 2018. Yeah. Mm. Oh, my God.
0: Mm. Oh, my God. And it's weird because- Mm. In our tenure at FBI Radio, that was yes. sort of an anything-goes show, right? Like, it was prime time. Hugely. It was like we had interviews, we had a playlist, lots of different segments. Mm. We had a guy, Phil, that we sent out to do stuff. <laughs> we had- Louis. We had Louis doing, you know, like $2 Dazzlers and uh, Louie's mm. World Tour of Sydney, which was amazing. We covered so much. You know, one of my favorite early segments is when, because it was Saturday morning and Mm. early on Saturday mornings, they would replay the 80s Transformer TV show. But the problem with the 80s Transformer TV show is they were never consistent with the size of Transformers. Like sometimes a Transformer would be just a little bit bit bigger than a human, but other Mm. times a human could like get in the cockpit and then it would transform into a robot. And we would literally have a whole segment about the inconsistencies we saw on Transformers that morning.
1: One of my honours essays, it was 6,000 words, was about the like online Transformers subculture where there was just like a willing suspension of disbelief because like one of the leading episodes was about imprisoning Starscream on a desert island. It was like sucked in Starscream, (laughs) you've got to stay on this island. And he's like, oh, bloody hell, Megatron, (laughs) you've left me on this island. And his whole thing was he could transform into a plane. So theoretically, he, he could just fly away from the desert island. But one of the things we avoided in all those years of radio was back radio, mm. Shag. I remember we agreed it was aesthetically a bad look to be like, it's just the kings, Shag and Peach. <laughs> and my view's moved on since then, Shag. It's been 15 years since our last time on radio together, and now I'm down for some back-padding <laughs> podcasts. We're back. It's my favourite podcast, your favourite podcast, Spooko. I'm a bit horror film-averse. Shag's the king of horror films. He holds my hand as we work through a Wikipedia plot synopsis and try to figure out what the story is and whether horror is a genre I should get into a little bit more.
0: Look, I wasn't trying to be backpacking. What I was trying to say, well, I was a mm. little bit, but what uh, mm. backpacking? Back Did I say backpacking? Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean.
1: We were listening to a lot of backpacker rap at the time. At the time, so which perhaps, yeah.
0: explains, and we were wearing backpacks everywhere, as was the fashion. <laughs> Of the- <laughs> Giant
1: shorts and backpacks. Giant shorts and back- shorts yeah, ever.
0: yeah, that's right. And just backpacks all the time. They looked cool. Mm. So uh, what I was trying to say is, you know, like we covered so much ground mm. and it was so broad mm. and it's amazing that we've spent even longer focused on one topic. Yes. But what I think's cool about that is we've had a chance to really like flex and go in so many different directions. You know, recently mm. realising that what Spooko is is a feel-bad club that we're all a part of, which I think is so amazing. It's amazing. But a couple of episodes ago you were talking, maybe it was last episode, fuck, I can't tell. No, it was a couple of episodes ago. You were Mm. talking about this idea of genre prejudice. Yes. And, you know, you were talking about this idea that, like, a a, a horror film is similar to a roller coaster, and if people don't, like, you know, that's the the thing they get out of it. Mm.
1: And I I feel... Recreational fear. Recreational fear, right? Yeah.
0: And... The, the horror we've been covering lately has gone in so many... Di- you know, it's mm. been disturbing. It's had things to say about, you know, the, the female experience. It's, it's been, like, you know, message-delivering horror or it's been mm. super-disturbing contemporary horror and... I had a moment it's been Irish folk horror an Irish folk horror <laughs> right like yeah like like retelling the stories of local mm. communities using horror as a vessel fungus right fungus horror is going to be the scariest <laughs> of all at all at all, at all. Oh, shoot,
1: shoot, so much fungus on these trees oh,
0: no. okay but oh, yeah that's right it's like oh now the fungus is getting out it's We're like what was that oh. the point no 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 okay no no it's no like
1: the end of Forrest Gump I <laughs> like as that's what I thought. I was like, mm, the film was actually about a feather. So, can you deal with that? And it's like, oh,
0: makes you think. It really makes you think
1: about, about America and feathers and all that kind of stuff.
0: Fuck. I love when you make me laugh so hard that I get COVID again. It's my, <laughs> it's my favorite genre of spooko moment. But anyway, okay. Magic. okay so, I had a moment mm. last week mm. where I was reading some pop culture website and there was a mm. review for a film I'd never heard of. And it was, like, a new Stephen King adaption. And I'm like, oh, wow, how, how come I haven't heard of that? Mm. And it wasn't, like, one of his recent novels. It was one of his early, early short stories. Now, Stephen King is, like, the most prolific storyteller of all time. And he's super mm. hit and miss. We've talked about this before. His hits are super high. His misses are forgettable, but it's fine. Like, he, he, you know, he began... He's a creator of worlds. He's a genre creator. Having misses is not the end of the world. But, but mm. the, the, you know, like... There's a reason to approach his work with trepidation, but I, I do lean towards the early stuff when he was like a young, hungry, hungry writer. And in those early days, he didn't just have novels. He had like lots of collections of short stories, which are perfect to be adapted into films. Anyway, so yes. I read this review of this film and it was kind of an awesome review because it was kind of like, this is like a pretty like unambitious kind of simple film that's really scary.
1: Sick. And I was like,
0: fuck, that's what I've been missing, right? Like, when I watch this film, there's magic in its ordinariness. It is not shot like an A24 horror film. It has no stars and, I, I'm like, like, uh, no shade. I'm sure the people in this film could go on to do great work, but they the were very much...
1: Small ponds is what you're saying. <laughs> oh,
0: no, what I'm saying is they were very much doing genre work in the film. This is a horror movie film that kind of falls into a lot of horror movie tropes and manages to work within those borders mm. to tell a really scary story that had me, like, jumping in my seat in the cinema. So I'm really excited to talk about this one today.
1: It sounds like it was the work, that like the films that will be, be made by an AI in about five years of, like, you give it a good juicy prompt and it'll have the heart of a good strong prompt a good strong solid bad guy and be like i will populate prompt with bleep bloop six characters two of whom know each other from <laughs> the distant past <laughs> bleep bloop it'll be yeah no i'm looking forward to it
0: Chad. i i it's think maybe I, maybe the I, I actually kind of think it's the opposite of that cuz there's something so deeply human about not being ambitious in <laughs> trying to do the best thing in the world, but just trying to nail
1: 80-20. This genre you love. 80-20, I love it, yeah.
0: Like, just trying to just, like, get it right, and they really do. So, today, Peach, we're doing a 2023 supernatural horror film based on a 1973 short story of the same name by Stephen King called The Boogeyman. Do you say boogie or boogeyman?
1: I don't say bogey. No one says bogey
0: well, man. bogeyman. Oh, bogeyman. Like, yeah, so it is no, just boogeyman, right? Boogeyman. Okay, the boogeyman.
1: I'll, you Google that while I watch the boogeyman trailer. <laughs> okay. Surely no one says bogeyman. I thought bogey was like English. Oh,
0: I thought no. I, I wasn't even thinking bogey. I was thinking boogie. But yeah, there you go.
1: Boogeyman. Boogeyman. What do you What do you call the thing you use in the waves shag that isn't a surfboard? A boogie board. That was very trendy in the yeah,
0: okay. You don't call. Although my dad calls it a boogie board. <laughs> he does. No, he doesn't. He does. He does. And no shades, Patrick McMullen, yeah. He does.
1: Pat, Pat, I got love for you. Um, like, like, I don't have love for the algorithm. What am I watching? here? The boogeyman. All right, boogeyman. Oh, you put boogie in my head. I'm blaming. I'm blaming Patrick <laughs> with unlimited love. Well, when there are scary things we don't understand, our minds try to fill in the blanks. Sometimes the best thing to do is to face it. So this light is gonna be completely solid like it is right now. And gradually, it's gonna start flashing until it's totally dark. So you can see that there's nothing to be afraid of. Okay? See, that's not so scary, is it?
0: You're doing okay. It's not real. It's okay. It's okay. It's all just in your head. Katie, there's something in my room. You believe me? Don't you? There's no such thing as monsters! You need to grow up! the thing that comes for your kids when you're not paying attention.
1: Dad, you have to listen to me.
0: Okay. I'm listening.
1: Sweetheart, let me handle it. <laughs> you so right. I'm like, yep, looks like hey, a horror right, movie. Let's do it. It had the guy who was in the dark Knight who oh, yeah. know, was first questioned by Harvey Dent.
0: Yeah. Cool. Yep. Yeah.
1: Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So there's some trivia for you. Some
0: guy was in one film, <laughs> was in another film.
1: So <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> he says you don't learn anything on Spooko. Sorry, please.
0: I look, making things mm. is really difficult. And mm-hmm. uh I, I think we're a bit spoilt by the immediate. I mean, you especially are really spoiled by how easy Spooko <laughs> is. You just show up for an episode, and then on the Monday, it just it just there. comes
1: out. It's pretty nice. <laughs> <messy. laughs> I'm pretty sure I just changes here, and then just sort of it just comes out. It's good.
0: Honestly, within a year there'll be some program that'll just edit it. But like there are, there's already like really helpful AI-assisted podcast editing. But like within a year, it'll just be done. Like it'll just come out. Like we will do this, and it'll be ready to go. But just the journey this film has gone through to come into being, right? Like a 1973 story that in 2018, it was announced that these two writers were going to write a screenplay for it. Then in 2019, Disney acquired Fox and the film got cancelled. Then two years later in 2021, it got revived. They attached a director to it. In 2022, they found actors for it. Originally, it was only going to come out on streaming, but it had some positive test screenings, which then made them go, let's put it out into theatres, which was kind of a mixed success because it's had mixed reviews and it hasn't made back its budget yet. And it's kind of tough because when you look at that, it's like, wow, like w- what a what a long ordeal for not that the greatest result. result. Yeah. Do you know <laughs> what I mean? And it's like it, at the end of the day, it has to just be about the thing you make you have to believe in And what I think is amazing about this film is it's a scary horror movie. It does that rollercoaster. It is recreational fear.
1: You made a great point probably 150 episodes ago that even making a movie is a fabulous achievement. And, like, we can sit here and hang shit on movies or be underwhelmed by movies or whatever. But to even cause an idea to be executed with the degree of time and effort it takes to create one of these things is incredible. I used to – you know I used to record rap music in the Australian rap scene and I was like, imagine having a guest verse on an Australian rap song (laughs) that was was pressed on vinyl. That was always my thing of like, imagine putting it on wax was the phrase. And like that's what these movies are. Like even if you had your guest verse put on wax on a shit album no one listened to or if you had your movie put out to middling reviews with a bit of sort of back and forth with streaming services – you know, well done to anyone who's made things. Good work to this movie. It's my favourite movie we're covering this week.
0: <laughs> but it's also really good. And I'm going to I'm gonna tell you, I'm going to start mm. by giving you, like, the elevator pitch for this movie because as soon as I heard it in this review I read, I was like, I have to see it. Because Sick. I can't think of anything more bland or more nothing than the Boogeyman as a concept. And yet, listen to this, all right? So mm. in the original... The book- same concept
1: as Paranormal Activity, now that I think about it.
0: Well, no, it's different, right? Okay. Purely because it begins with a man speaking to a therapist, explaining that he has three children who died. He's been accused of killing them, but it wasn't him, it was the boogeyman. Yeah, it's strong. up Right? Like, yeah. I, I want to know. I want to know everything. I just, like, I need to know. And I kind of, I kind of love how like again like i said how ordinary it is to be like this monster lives in the dark and it's under your bed like you know it's like it couldn't be more plain and yet they've turned this into something small and simple and scary and i adored being in the cinema watching this thing and it also has really cool creature design when we get there so i'll explain that when we get there but okay to begin with the harper family sisters sadie and sawyer and their therapist father will are struggling to come to terms with the recent death of the family matriarch who died suddenly in a car crash. Sawyer suffers from nightmares and Will buries himself in work while Sadie struggles to adjust back into high school, where a friend Bethany has just joined a new clique of girls who treat Sadie with disdain. That's
1: pretty strong. Yeah, strong, right? Mm. And like. Good names as well. In fact,
0: Stephen King's always pretty good with a name. And, and and like it feels like you know a therapist dad mm. artist mum of course they're going to have daughters called Sadie and Sawyer magic so oh and like and, and you know something we're going to talk about as we get closer to Ep 200 is mm. you know the more things we've learnt in Spooko and I think one of the things we've learned over this era of Spooko is that kids are as bad as they appear in movies like teenage kids of course like when you came back to school after your mum dying would be dicks about it. Yes. You think, oh, they're going to be caring and stuff. And it's like, no way. Teenagers are going to be like, th- they're not going to know what they're doing, but they're going to be dicks.
1: Oh, uh, like um, you would remember shagging in year seven of our like reasonably toxic all boys private school with like 220 boys in our year. Someone's dad died in year seven. And because it was a religious school, there was like a, um, there was a religious service and there was what's called a homily. It's like your, your lecture in the middle of the church service. It's like, hey, here's some reflections from me, the priest. And over remember the priest was like, hey, um, you know, I got some of the boarders to take a piece of string and walk it all the way from the junior school to the senior school, then walk it all the way from the senior school back to the junior school and then off to the sporting fields over in that corner and then off to the sporting fields at another school and then all the way across Sydney and then all the way across the world. And then they got on a plane and took it over to the U.S. And then the space shuttle off to the moon. And, you know, Blogsy's dad's life was this much of that piece of string. And that's how long he'll have to go in heaven because that piece of string will go forever. And so don't worry, he's going to be in heaven forever. And like this kid, of course, the moment he returns to school... It's like, hey, like, how's your fucking dead dad going on his piece of string, Chance? Like, you know, it's like, it's the worst thing you could have done?
0: It's almost like you just can't tell them. You just have to be like, yeah. do not tell yeah. their friends. Yeah. like, everyone's alive. Out. It's fine. All right. Okay. Yeah. One day, mm. Will is visited by a man called Lester Billings, played by that character actor from the Dark Knight trilogy. Mm who asked to speak to him. Lester explains that his three children have died. He's been accused of killing them, but he didn't do it. They were all killed one by one by an entity that he thinks has now latched onto him. And while he's in the room, mm. there's this ongoing motif of like doors open in houses where you can't quite see what's behind them. You can, The door's just slightly ajar and it's just dark behind it. And while he's in there explaining this, he notices there's like a, a side door in the therapist's office and he's like, Hey, can you just close that door? And anyway, it's just, it's just, a, the it's, just, just like, it's just, oh, it's just
1: this is the boogeyman thing again. Ugh, fine.
0: Although sympathetic to Lester, a disbelieving will leaves him alone in the office when he basically is like, I didn't kill my kids. It's, it's this monster. I'm going to draw it for you. He draws a picture of the monster. We don't get to see that drawing, but he draws this picture. Will's like, okay, cool. I'm just going to go to the toilet. Goes upstairs and calls the police. And he's like, I have a patient here and I think they're a danger to themselves and the community. I think you need to send someone over. While he's on the phone, Lester notices that door that was close had opened again. <laughs> he slips away into the house. Meanwhile, Sadie, who was at school, has like an altercation with her friends is like, I can't deal with this goes back home. She's got her headphones, her earbuds in. So she can't quite hear that there's people at home Mm. also goes upstairs into the house. And while she's going back into her mother's like art room where Mm. she seems to spend a bit of her time because she's still processing her mom's death. She finds his body hanging in her art closet. So he's at some point gone upstairs and hung himself. Good opening. In her mom's closet. Yeah, yeah. The family is disturbed by Lester's death but attempts to get back to normal. When is this set? <laughs> it's set and now.
1: Isn't the dad a therapist? Yeah. dad's like, yeah! tough times. All right, school's
0: all right. Well, Well, no. So, and look, no, no, no shade to therapists. But my understanding is just because you're really able to counsel people mm. and and understand the behaviours doesn't mean you have your shit together all the time.
1: Well, yeah, this is the lawyers have legal problems, vets have vet problems, accountants have accounting problems, barristers yeah. have tax problems. But the reason you do um, uh, sort of counselling or psychiatry or social work is to fix yourself or understand yourself. I understand yeah. that's your, like, fundamental thing. No, not your children, apparently. It'd be the thesis of this <laughs> movie. Who gives but also...
0: But his whole thing is, like, the dad's whole thing is, I don't talk about, mum like, my my wife's death with my kids. It's too hard. Good work, champ. Yeah, and I don't know. It's pro- like, there's probably a metaphor here for grief or something, but I'm glad the film doesn't try to turn it into anything more than just a scary, like, monster. Yeah, yeah I didn't yeah. read it as a metaphor for grief at all. And I think if you did, you'd be way more disappointed in this film than if you just took it as a monster in the closet movie. Yeah,
1: nice. No, like, I think there's something... There's something clean about Stephen King stories. Like, I I, I suspect you're not left as jarred or disturbed as you are with most horror from Stephen King. You're like, whew, Quoth the Raven. That was pretty crazy. That was a pretty crazy (laughs) story there.
0: You know what? I'm trying to think about it. Like, sometimes they end with, and now the monster's going to take over the whole world and no one's safe. Sometimes they end with, oh, now it's dead. And here's a nice human moment.
1: Yeah, we killed it. So there we go.
0: Yeah, and it does actually, it ends with like a character who had gone catatonic because she'd seen its true form and went mad coming back to life after being ridden down a hill on a bike. I don't know if that's how the movies did end, I can't remember, but that's how the book ended. Yeah. And it was like, it was quite a definitive end. It was like, there's not going to be another it.
1: I suspect this movie's even going to be quite sanitized. I was like, oof, Boogeyman's pretty
0: crazy, anyway. It is, like it actually is, like it's so... <laughs> <laughs> it. And you know what I mean? It's like this is the sort of film where I think you could watch. And yeah. you know, having done this podcast, you could watch, after having read the synopsis, yeah. you could watch
1: a couple of jump scares but and I'll properly
0: enjoy those jump scares, right? Like actually yeah, okay. lean into it and be like, that was a bit spooky. Nice. Okay. So Sadie begins to notice a strange mold beginning to form around the house. So shades of the fungus. Nah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Spooky fungus should be a should be a good genre as well.
0: While Sawyer glimpses a mysterious creature hiding under her bed, there's, like, a properly scary scene. And, look, this Wikipedia synopsis, like, there's no way I can bring to life why this film's scary, but it does a lot with slightly open doors that shouldn't be open, things scuttling under beds, not quite being able to see creatures, but seeing them in on our periphery. And this scene with her realising there is something under her bed is horrifying.
1: I remember you referring to the Lee 1L Invisible Man of, like, a shot just of empty space that's sort of almost the camera saying, is the Invisible Man
0: there? Hmm, right. Interesting stuff. Well, and, and, you, and it's the same thing here. It's like mm. anytime there's a door open or there's just a little bit of negative space, it's like maybe the Boogeyman's there. And, like, we don't know. It's, it's, really, it's really well done. Mm. So anyway, so Sawyer... Alerts big sister Sadie, who cannot find the creature and does not believe her sister, obviously. You know, ob- obviously there's a specter of their dead mum, so the whole time it's like we're all creating these apparitions in our mind because we can't deal with the reality of our mum dying.
1: <laughs> She's like, look, take this string, right?
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, there is string. Oh fuck, there's a whole string. I can't, like, fuck, there's a string subplot. All right. So... I don't... Where is it? it? It should be in here. Maybe it's not in here. Let me have a look. Let, let me just quickly scan ahead. Just do
1: Control-F for string.
0: Um, Could be twine. So, so <laughs> you know what? I am actually going to do Control-F.
1: <laughs> I do contribute to this podcast. That's good creative thinking for me.
0: Okay, so it's not mentioned here, mm. but w- w- what happens is Sadie comes in and is like, you're having a problem because mum's dead and, you know, I'm finding it hard too, but also notices that she's still got this, like, loose tooth. And she's like, tell you what, let's get rid of this tooth the same way mum did it. Yeah. And ties the tooth to a string mm-hmm. and ties the other side to Do the doorknob. Uh. And she's like, we'll go on three, okay? Uh, and, yeah, so he's like... Like, do you mean, like, one, two, three? Kind of like when we do claps at the beginning of yeah. Spooko. It's like, one, two, three, go, or is it one, two, three? And so they decide, and she's like, one, two, and before Doesn't either it? of them are ready, the door just slams and pulls the tooth out. Nice. And Sadie. The boogeyman. And Sadie's like, I didn't do that. And so he's like, hey, we agreed on this time. Anyway, so the girls visit their therapist, Dr. Weller, to talk about their mother's death. Wella uses a flashlight that's in the trailer to help Sawyer get over a fear of the dark, but Sawyer spots the creature again during this, like, so basically she has this thing where it's like, I'm going to turn the light off and just have this flash, this light in the middle of the room. Then I'm going to turn the room lights on. And then we're just going to slowly turn the lights on for longer and longer until there's just nothing in the room. I don't know if this is good therapy for someone mm. who's afraid of the dark. This This, feels like...
1: Yeah, I'm I'm sure not that much research went into it. Like, (laughs) I reckon someone phoned someone who's like, you've been through cognitive behavioural therapy, haven't you? It's like, no, no, that was my cousin. I'm like, do you reckon your cousin, if the (laughs) cognitive behavioural therapy was about lights, would have done this? It's like, "Mm, yeah, maybe. Okay, cool, cool, cool. We'll put it in the script.
0: Anyway, so while they're having this session, she ends up seeing the creature and wets herself. In the house the creature continues to stalk and terrorize Sawyer while Sadie also glimpses it and begins to suspect the strange phenomenon is related to Lester's suicide. Sadie then sneaks in because she's like starting to put things together. And because her dad won't speak to them. Sadie <laughs> sneaks into the dad's office and listens to a recording of Lester's appointment and reads up about the Billings family online, discovering their address. Sadie has Bethany drive her out to the. So Bethany was her friend. Like it's, there's there's this whole sort of like interesting Friendship, subplot yeah. about how Sadie has as best friends Bethany, but while Sadie was away basically grieving her dead mom, Bethany's befriended this cool group who are sort of treating her like a freak. Like it's mm-hmm. it's all really it's it's quite well done, actually. Anyway, so Sadie has Bethany drive her out to the Billings' a seemingly abandoned house where on the outside someone spray painted like child murderers or something, right? Just to make it really clear that the community thinks they died. But you know what's really interesting about this mm. is, like, it's on a pretty busy street, and I just don't know how I'd feel. Like, even if, like, if like, and not not even about who was living there, mm. if there was just a house on my street with spray paint on it that said child murder, I feel like it would reflect badly on my house.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't go and spray paint the neighbouring house to mine with child <laughs> murder on there, even if I was... <laughs> You are certain that it had taken place. But isn't there some obligation to disclose it? Shag, was it you who were telling me there was a kid who'd inherited their parents' house in the Hills District of Sydney and the parents' was a murder-suicide and the kid had failed to disclose that in the conveyance of the house and so they were entitled to... Whatever the contractual term is for get out of their contractual obligations to purchase, like the purchases after exchange. Is this a law story or a shag story?
0: I think we're muddling up two stories. So, yeah, there, okay. the, this is a different story. There was a kid in Eastwood, which is a suburb in the like the real, like a real Burby suburb in mm. Sydney, in sort of like the outer sprawl of Sydney. That's the Hills district. That's not the outer sprawl. Oh, it's the outer sprawl. It's like, God, it's like a lot, like it's a, it's Hemping, a specialty it's like in bus now. into the Sydney. Yeah, yeah, it's still like forty-five, fifty minutes to get into the city center. Yeah, wow. Well. So there was this kid who killed his whole family. That they were like first-generation immigrants from China, I think. So either spray painted or used blood Blair. to write like racist scrawls on the wall. So the police were like, like I don't know how at what point they realized he did it, but he basically like sang at his whole family's funeral and would later tell friends that all of these record producers wanted to sign him because they heard him singing at his family's funeral oh, and, like, thought his voice was so amazing. And then, like, started spending his family's money. And then I think six months later, because it was this big story. This family got killed, right? And, yeah. like, it was so gruesome. And then six months later, it was like, oh, he did it. And I think after that, it became really hard to sell this house because they were, quite, like, quite a well-to-do family, you know, it's a pretty attractive suburb to buy a house in. It was a really nice house, but it was also the murder house that everyone knows about. So, uh, look, maybe there was a story. I can't remember. Like, it, it probably went up on the market again, and I was reading something about it. But, yeah, that's just a little, like, chilling piece of uh, uh, Sydney history. Good old
1: trivia. Like, come to Spook, go to learn things, as I say. It's good stuff.
0: Anyway, so mm. she goes to this house where it's, you know, child murderer scrawled on the front in spray paint, she goes inside and discovers Rita. So, so first of all, she goes inside and the place just seems like deserted. She Goes upstairs, there's candles all over the place and they're all lit. Nice. Uh, I'm assuming because the power's out. And uh, she discovers Rita, Lester's a strange wife, who sort of approaches her with a shotgun, who still lives in the house and is still worried for her life. She identifies the creature as simply the boogeyman. It's the first and last time we use that term in the whole film. Cool. And she just claims it's the culprit. Doesn't
1: actually use the term in the first?
0: No, he doesn't actually. He just says it's a creature. Okay, sick. But she claims it's the culprit behind her children's death. She tells Sadie that the creature feeds off fear and enjoys toying with its prey, hence the nightly attacks on Sawyer, and also that it can mimic people's voices. Like, there's this really cool scene. There's this really cool scene where Sawyer's under the covers, because she's really spooked about what happened in her room and, you know, seeing, like, what feels like a creature. And she gets tapped on the head from Sadie, her sister, being like, you okay? And she's like, yeah. And then she takes the covers off and there's no one there. And Sadie's, Ugh. like, on the other side of the house. It's, like, it's it's a good movie, Peach, I'm well, telling that's
1: you. that's super scary.
0: don't know why I'm still selling this movie to you. It's really good. <laughs> you should check this it probably out.
1: probably isn't the one I'll watch as a result
0: <laughs> of Superman, but I get it. It sounds, it sounds pretty good. So... She tells Sadie that the creature feeds off fear and enjoys toying blah, 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 blah. The only solution to ward off the boogeyman is light, hence her having candles lit all through the house. However, Rita seemingly spots the boogeyman behind Sadie and shoots at it, causing a disturbed Sadie to flee the house. The mold continues to spread across her family's house. That night, Sadie has a nightmare about the boogeyman putting something inside her throat. As these encounters continue to escalate, Will and Sadie attempt to talk about the death of Sadie's mother with her convincing Will not to clear out the art cabinet where their mum's stuff is kept. In the basement, Sadie seemingly encounters the spirit of her mother directing the flame of an old lighter. So Sadie, because she can't talk to her dad about Mm. her mum, starts looking up YouTube videos of, like, how to speak to the dead. And they're basically like, what you've got to do, you've got to light a lighter or a candle Mm. and be like, you know, spirits, if you're here, direct this flame. And so, anyway, she's down in the basement, and she has her lighter because the lights aren't working in the basement. And it feels like the spirit of a mother does direct the flame. At school, Bethany comforts Sadie and decides to organize a girls' night at Sadie's house to cheer her up. Oh no,
1: yeah, okay. And this is like bullying coming here.
0: Well, this is like probably the most horrific part of the film because I don't know if you remember being in high school mm. I'm sure you were maybe you weren't but I was always precociously innocent I was always way more innocent and probably Me too, too innocent probably. later than others yeah and like there'd always be people being like I would only know that you couldn't do stuff when people were like oh McMullen do you still do that and I'd be like oh no no I don't do that anymore I remember like fuck I remember maybe in year 9 or year 10 someone was like oh my god did you get a video game for your birthday?" Like, do you really? still play them? Yeah, I remember that. It was it was like, it was a, you know, a, a inverted commas friend being like, do you still play them? And I remember being like, oh, like, not really. Like, <laughs> oh, nah.
1: For me, it was the opposite. It was like me not getting like apparently grown up and often sexual stuff. I'm like, oh, do you know what a like a snowblower is? And I was like, oh, <laughs> nah. It's like, oh, this guy doesn't know what a snowblower is. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs>
0: Anyway, so Mm. Bethany organises a girls' night at their house, and, like, the dad and the younger sister are like, we've got to give Sadie space so she can hang out with her friends. But then there's a scene where they're all sitting in a room, eating, like, pizza and just being really quiet. And, like, the cool girl's are like, don't you have anything to drink? And she's like, oh, I don't, like... That's like, I'm not really at that level yet. And it's just, it's just really, th- this was like properly, like I couldn't look at the screen, but then she's like, actually though, I've got this. And it turns out her mom had one of those old cigarette tins with like a couple of joints in them. And then the cool girl's like, yeah, let's do it. And then Sadie lights it and takes a puff, but kind of like me, cause I've never had like a <coughs> joint in my life, <coughs>, coughs. And the girl's like, oh my God, you don't even know what you're doing. Jesus. But then they're like, hey, where did that guy die in your house? And Sadie's like, actually, it's just here. Do you want me to show you? She takes them to the room where Lester died. And as a prank, Bethany's friend locks Sadie in the art closet where she encounters the boogeyman in the darkness. Oh, God. Okay. She manages to open the door and the girls are like, we, the, the door just locked. Nothing happened. Sadie slaps the mean girl. The mean girl's like, you're a freak. No one likes you. And then they leave.
1: Even Bethany?
0: Yeah, they all leave. Even Aww. Bethany. Meanwhile, Sawyer, who's been allowed to stay up and play video games in, in another room mm. so to give Sadie space, is attacked by the creature and thrown into a TV, hospitalizing it and she's really clever right because she's got the tv on so the boogeyman can't come too close to her and she notices in this game when she does this one move like this arrow move i'm pretty sure it's a game called the pathless which is like an indie game when she shoots this arrow as a character it lights up the screen which illuminates this character like it's really well done and so i think the creature tries to throw into the tv to break it but it doesn't happen the family finds her takes her to the hospital anyway at the hospital Sadie is contacted by Rita so first of all at the hospital Sadie's like Sawyer I believe you we've got to take this thing on I now know that this thing is real and I believe you Rita contacts her and she's like I need you to come over here I think we can kill the boogeyman once and for all she arrives at the house and she goes upstairs and she finds all of these like tiny tripwires on the ground that are linked to like spring loaded shotgun shells
1: okay
0: so the idea is if the boogeyman walks through this thing, all of these shotgun shells are basically going to blow the thing apart.
1: Ooh, yes, can't go wrong.
0: And Sadie's like, this is cool, but how are we going to get it? And she basically knocks her out, grabs her and is like, I'm going to use you as bait. And so she, I think she ties her up or handcuffs her. Some, somehow she attaches her to like the, the heater <sighs> um, in the corner of the room And basically waits for the boogeyman to show.
1: Putting kids in danger again, as you rightly say, Shag. It's the Mm -hmm.
0: now it does, and because it's just candles, it's just the candles just slowly go out as the boogeyman approaches. So we still don't really see that. We just see up until now we haven't really seen this creature at all. We just see these little glimpses of it, and we notice this darkness slowly put out all of these candles as it gets close, Mm. and. It gets to, like, the first tripwire, and then it stops. And we think, fuck, it's worked it out. But it hasn't. It's just seen Sadie, and it's ready to pounce. And then it does. It hits the tripwires a million. It feels like a million. There's probably, like, six different shotgun shells all pointed into this creature, just go off, and the thing just, like, gets hurt and falls down on the ground. walks out to it with the shotgun and thinks it's dead, but of course it's not, and jumps up and kills Rita. Oh, okay. Sadie escapes and flees the house. Will calls her asking where she is, and Sadie realises they're already back home. The boogeyman attacks Will and Sawyer, dragging them into the basement of the house. Sadie arrives and finds a hiding Sawyer who's wrapped herself in Christmas lights that she's tied on, which, again, is, like, such a fucking cool motif. Magic. Who claims the creature took Will into the basement. The sisters enter the basement together with their little lighter, which is, like, their mom's guide. Yes. And find the creature feeding off Will. So this is where we finally get to see the creature. And yes, it's just, it, it's, it's like a human, but it sort of walks like a spider, right? Like, yeah, okay. And the coolest thing about its design is it has, it has a mouth that seems to have, like, two hands coming out of the mouth. And when the hands come out of the mouth, they grab you, and then the mouth opens just a little bit more, and we see a further obscured face within the mouth.
1: Yeah.
0: It fe- And y- what I kind of liked about this is, let me explain what it does, right? Like, I kind of like the fact that he's this creature that lives in the dark, mm. doesn't seem to really live in our existence in the same way we do. So I kind of like the fact that it doesn't kill or hurt in the way humans do like mm. it doesn't use sharp things it seems to like suck the life out of people's like eyes and like, like the, the, all the holes on their faces God. so this is what the girls find when the Wikipedia synopsis says the creature is feeding off Will they rescue their father and a chase ensues through the basement at first they're kind of safe because of the lights around Sawyer but eventually these, these lights hit a snag the, the mm. link is severed. The lights go out, and then all they have is the lighter. But they have, uh, again, this Wikipedia synopsis doesn't do a very good job of doing it. But it's it's well it's well done how all the pieces come together. Mm. Sawyer had like it's 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 maybe a pepper spray or it's just a deodorant. It's some sort of spray she'd armed herself with in the closet upstairs where she'd wrapped herself in the lights. Mm. And at this point, Sadie realizes, "Hang on, I've got a lighter. We've got a spray. We're going to spray this thing." Mm. And
1: blowtorch style. Mm.
0: Yeah. And you, you, of course, like it's not going to die by bullets, but it probably would die by fire. So Sadie manages to set the creature on fire with the help of her mother's spirit, seemingly killing it and destroying the mold all through the house. Sometime later, the family have a group session with Wella, having moved on from their experience. As they leave, Sadie is called back to the office by Wella, only to discover that she isn't there. And the closet door is open. Weller appears and is like, hang on, why are you back in my office? And so Sadie looks at the open closet door and then immediately shuts it. And that's the end of The Boogeyman.
1: I thought we killed The Boogeyman in the end, Shag.
0: I mean, if it's, if it's just like a classic recreational fear horror film, the, you've, you've got to have that open end at the end.
1: Oof. I was ready for it to, oh, now I'm weirded out at the end. <laughs> <laughs> I was ready for a nice, neat ending. Shag, I liked that. Um, yeah, like, I think it was switched on. I think it was fairly neatly plotted. I think it was um, within the kind of sweet spot of fear for, for most peaches in the house, as you rightly say, a like, yeah, yeah, like we can deal with this. Um, I don't know. It would have been classic. Uh, y- you could watch it. Perhaps in a time of overhang on a Saturday morning and um and still manage to chart a path through the balance of your weekend. I'm about it. I think you're right.
0: I genuinely think mm. this is the film. Yeah, like this is why I was so excited to both see it and cover it. It's because mm. this is the purity mm. of recreational fear. Like it it was a roller coaster. There was nothing really to think about. There was nothing problematic about this film really. Like I'm sure that I'm sure mm. upon deeper readings, there's there's problematic shit everywhere. But it felt just like a simple watch where the pleasure of it were the jump scares and the, the, the building tension. And for that reason, I, I feel like this is the film that, you know, like not even, not even introducing like scaredy cats, but like, I'm like, if you had a 16 year old who you wanted to get into horror, this would be a really good film to start with. Like, it feels like the the obvious thing would go to, like, the classics from the 80s and 90s, but they're mm. so hammy. This one has good effects, and it's purely about, hey, the point of horror is to sit down and just enjoy the ride.
1: And almost no Scoville units to be found. It's good fun. <laughs> That's a Scoville unit reference for the Scoville heads <laughs> Uh Nothing gooey, I'm sorry. It's a measure of spiciness. Uh, This was recorded at FBI Studios. Please like, subscribe and follow wherever you can and as much as you can. And Resh's,
0: what's up?
1: Oh, fuck, I get some shit ads. This cheese looks so gross.
0: (laughs) Don't advertise cheese.
1: Yeah, it does feel very...
0: It's like there are some products, like at the moment, there's this big ad campaign for gold and it's like... I know what gold is. You don't <laughs> have, have you to sell me on the benefits. They're like gold's pretty it's pretty cool.
1: Gold. <laughs> gold's been around for centuries. People have it. Dug usually it out is. Ground. It's
0: like back in the day, this is what people used to concentrate their wealth and it's back now. Get some gold. Sounds it's like, like,
1: like advertised chocolate before like post-colonialism became a little more mainstream it was like, oh Spanish people went over to the Americas. It was fine. But they came back with some chocolate, I and mean, it's delicious. It's like, oh yeah.
0: That is actually really funny. Where it's it's always like, look what they brought back. It's like, but what did they do over there? It's like, oh, let's let's not even discuss what they did over there. Even
1: the concept of Indiana Jones being like, these disgusting savages can't look after their own treasures. <laughs> oh. I've got to come and save them from these backwards backwards people. And it's like, <laughs> oh, Indiana Jones, like, no, you're a bad boy. Museums sorry. are the museums <laughs> run by white people is the appropriate place for these, for these for these It
0: is weird how it's basically like the Great British Museum like propaganda. Like yeah. it's it wow, fuck, I never read that t- anyway. Sorry, sorry, Boogeyman trailer. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's boogie.